What is eugenics? It's an elitist philosophy for a transhuman man, which leaves behind the husk of the underclass. It's a way to wipe out the regular man and devalue human labor. We've reduced ourselves to being nothing more than inventory in a complex system under this nation and under this global treaty. There really is population control in the literal sense going on on this planet. And we're tagged, traced, and numbered. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gauntz. Hey everybody, welcome again to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in this week. We've got a very special show. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we have Andrew Hoffman on this week. Um, Andrew is uh, someone I met uh, last year when I was in Branson. We got to hang out at the conference, obviously, but then we got to go uh, travel to Denver, which was kind of both of our layovers. And um, unfortunately, he didn't come with us to check out some of the murals there in Denver. But Andrew is the author of the book, New World Order and Eugenic Wars, Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. And he graduated summa cum laude with a BA in English Literature and a minor in Philosophy at Grand Canyon University. And he has a Master's of Education, also from Grand Canyon University. And um, he is online. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, and it's great to be on the, the show with the awesome name. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got to admit, I'm pretty jealous. I told Tim, you know, you guys have a way better name than we do, but... Oh, shucks. Yeah. You're making me blush over here, Andrew. <laughs> okay, now before we, we start getting into stuff, I, I have to admit that I'm oblivious as to what these Denver murals are that everybody's talking about. And since you guys got to look at them together, I kind of feel left out. Actually, we didn't get to look at it together because Andrew was way too cool. And and him and his wife were like, no, we're going to miss our flight. And okay, well, I feel fine then. Don't don't feel left out. Okay. So did you, did you make it over there? Did you get to see the uh, the infamous murals? Yeah, it was um, me and uh, Doug Hamp and Chris Pinto and a few others. We got to go check them out and, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it, I mean, you know, they're pretty obvious. You know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of people walking by, sitting there watching it, looking at it. And, um, I mean, you know, you can Google it. I took a couple pictures, I think, that are online now. And uh, I, there's a whole lot of them. There's not just one. There's like three or four of them. What are they? I'm still oblivious over here. Okay. Well, all right. Is it a huge story? Can I just get a couple words? Um... Basically, they're just, I don't know, it's just artwork that's very eerie, you know? It's got, like, um, like a girl sitting in a coffin with, uh, holding flowers, and, like, she has a Bible in her hand, and, like, there's, um, another one that has this, uh, guy with a gas mask and a gun, and the, the, the artwork tells a story, kind of, of, like, going through chaos and coming out of the chaos, and, you know, having peace and, you know, there's just all this symbolism everywhere. And, hmm. um, yeah, maybe we'll do a show just on that in the future. Cause it's, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. You, you could interpret it as, um, religion causes massive wars. And then out of the wars comes this wonderful, or comes a police state. And then out of that comes a wonderful, peaceful, 
um, you know, utopia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like the, the New World Order dream. And the girl in the coffin, she's holding a Bible and then has like the um, other like religious symbols on her. So she like symbolizes the death of religion and stuff. So it's kind of. Wow. It's definitely, definitely creepy. So edgy of them to be against religion. Yeah. It's very original and edgy. Okay, so let's get into it, Gons and Andrew. All right. Well, the first thing that I wanted to ask you, Andrew, um, is what prompted you to actually look into the New World Order and the conspiracies and and ultimately write the book? Uh, It was 9-11 stuff, and I had kind of stumbled on it. Um, I think I'd actually seen a video online like way, way back of like the plane kind of hit the gun. It was too big. And I didn't even know like what the point of that was. Cause I was so right. like still, you know, just right. if, if everybody believes that it's true, you know, just assumed it, it was nine 11 was the way it had happened. And then a couple of years later, someone um, mentioned David Ray Griffin and reading his book. And so it was actually reading that book on nine 11 and then uh, he had quoted lots of guests on the Alex Jones show. So I started listening to that and um, then found Chris White stuff actually really early in the whole process, which was definitely important for me because that was the first kind of uh, um, true Christian perspective on all the conspiracy stuff. And Chris does such a great job of kind of separating uh, fact from you know, fiction and the whole conspiracy realm that's, you know, he's really talented at that. So that was kind of got me off to a good start as far as interpreting things. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) obviously it's the usual, like once, Hey, once you know, they're lying about nine 11, what else are they lying about? And uh, it, it goes on from there. So, so, yeah, I mean, much like a lot of us, uh, you know, you, you kind of start down one rabbit hole and then it just, uh, you know, the whole world starts to starts to look different as, a, you, you know, you just keep going deeper and deeper, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And I was living in, uh, in Korea teaching English over there and I had tons of time. I pretty much every day because I didn't have to teach until like four o'clock that my yeah. work hours were 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, so I'd get up and go for like a three, three or four hour hike and just listen to podcasts. And um, and I told Chris White, like, hey, man, you should write a book and I'll help you with all the, you know, the English stuff with it. And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool, except I don't really want to write a book. But, <laughs> uh, but put together an outline and, and I'll give you advice on it or whatever. So I did that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know all this stuff. Just write it yourself. So that was kind of kind of what got it started. And um, Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to say, judging from my lack of productivity back in the U.S., um, that if it wasn't kind of a strange situation for me where I you know, had tons of time on my hands and, right. and no real friends and family around. Um, it probably never would have gotten done because right. nothing's gotten done since then. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we can definitely relate to that. Yeah. That's interesting. So what sort of made you, um, how'd you figure out the, you know, the exact way that 
direction you wanted to go with the book. Um, you know, cause, uh, uh, there, there's a lot of literature out today. And, um, so how are you, how are you sort of able to, to sort of guide your way into that? Because, um, the book's great by the way, and, uh, make sure everybody go check it out. Um, but what do you guys say? Well, I think it was kind of vaguely chronological, um, and trying to tie in kind of secret society stuff, um, with, you know, all the usual kind of obscure verses in the Old Testament, um, you know, Genesis 6 and the Tower of Babel and all that stuff. Um, and then kind of tying that in with, with Egypt and then on to Freemasonry and all the rest of it. Um, and then kind of shifting gears a little bit to, to eugenics and, and stuff that's currently affecting our everyday lives, a little more than kind of the obscure um, esoteric stuff so kind of a mix right. bag. And the, the, the general idea was um, like from a, a biblical worldview at least my personal biblical worldview uh, what stuff out there was was intentionally trying to lead people down the wrong path uh, toward new age stuff or, or what have you so. right the eugenic stuff I, I find is especially sinister uh, mm-hmm. For many reasons, number one, because the government is largely involved. Um, I, I mean, it just it just hits on so many levels. It hits on government levels. It hits on you know, food. It hits on vaccines uh, and just all sorts of other stuff is all sort of involved in this thing that essentially the goal is killing people or keeping the human race from continuing. It's like almost the most sinister thing I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. And the the really sick part is it all gets framed in humanitarian terms and right. like, oh, we've got to save the earth and oh, look at wonderful Bill Gates and the wonderful Rockefeller Foundation, all these things. And, you know, they give, them, give themselves awards and have... Uh, media that they own or pay advertising money to, you know, just shower them with, with praise and adoration. And if you're sucked into that whole, like, government, uh, kind of the whole myth of government's just a, a bunch of bumbling politicians and, you know, they just can never get anything done and, um, oh, they could never keep a secret and this and that. And if and lots of people are still at that level, and they're so angry right now because they see the country kind of falling apart, but they don't, they still think it's all an accident, you know? Like, right. oh, how can these people be so dumb? Um, and it's like, no. <laughs> right. Dumb exactly. at all. Yeah, that bizarre part is you think that the, the world is in the shape that it's in because people are dumb. But really, it's all, a, I mean, it would be hard to let the world get in the shape that it's in on accident. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I think absolutely. it's just so obvious that it's, that it's just a perfect storm of disaster that, that has to be mastermind. Um, before we go on here, I um, forgot to mention, and this is probably... Uh, sort of important, but, uh, Andrew is also the co-host of revelation radio news. So sorry, Tim, <laughs> 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 probably. Well, and, 
And that's not the worst of it because, uh, you know, Tim loves you guys and has listened to every single one of the, the shows. And um, he's like, what? You get to go on the show and I don't? So he's, <laughs> he's pretty jealous. Well, I, I already invited him honest. on yeah. with you in the future. So we're going to have a little round table in the future. So no, no hurt feelings there. Tim, we're going to have you on. Don't worry, buddy. We love you, Tim. <laughs> um, but uh, back to eugenics and, and just the whole political stuff going on with all that. Um, what would you tell someone? Like if you ran into somebody who was just totally like Bill Gates is God, you know, like just mm-hmm. someone that is totally enthralled in that. What would you tell them? Like how would you like what would you strategically do to try to break down that wall? You know, well, that, that's a great question. And it's probably the fact that I can't really get through to someone, you know, just sitting down and explaining it to them is probably also a big reason why I wrote the book. Um, because I, I can frame things better if I'm writing than if I'm just talking to someone. It's, it's almost because with all this stuff, one thing leads into another, leads into another. And you'd be way, way better off, like, just sticking with one thing like fluoride or something like that. But in order for people to understand why fluoride keeps getting out of the water, even though, you know, study after study shows that it, it damages IQ, doesn't do any good, anything good for teeth and gives bone cancer. Um, you have to go to the UGX angle and the intentional angle, and then you have to, you know, go everywhere else. So it's a really difficult thing to just kind of, uh, to someone that, that, is starting from scratch. It, it really is. Someone really has to want to figure it out for themselves. Um, I don't think you, you know, you can't put something up on your Facebook wall and someone goes like, oh, wow, I'm sure that's totally correct. And I, I totally changed my view of the world. Uh, but maybe you can make someone think and make someone uh, decide to, to kind of dig into stuff by themselves and give them resources to do that. Right, and I think that's great because the, uh, I mean, one thing about the eugenics uh, is it's, it's, it's I mean, the, the way that it's so ingrained in everything. I mean, it's sort of like the occult, where the occult is involved basically in everything when it comes to um, the leadership at the top. Well, eugenics is in everything. I mean, uh, I can't think of one facet of my life that isn't affected by somebody trying to kill me, but inadvertently through something. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's one of those things that I, uh, you know, I get a certain tone in my voice when something really bothers me. And this is especially um, one of those things. And so anyways, what, why don't you take us uh, through a couple of, a couple of nice uh, eugenics steps that, um, you know, okay. tell, tell me how they're trying to kill me. All right. Um, well, I, th- I one interesting story Tim brought up briefly on, on our show the other day. Um, actually, it might not even be out yet, but is uh, it was from Fox News of all places. And they're talking about Florida in the water and they just kind of gloss over they, they you know, half-heartedly mentioned, like, oh, fluoridation started because of um, industry, you know, public relations campaigns in the 1940s, and they left it very vague. But specifically what happened was Alcoa hired Edward Bernays 
And they said, look, we've got this stuff. It's costing us a ton of money to dispose of it. Um, you know, people are, are complaining that they're getting sick. It's killing livestock. Uh, you know, what do we do? So what we did was we found in a study that said, oh, fluoridation, uh, you know, in this certain area of the country, people have harder tooth enamel. And, like, oh, I guess that's that's maybe a good thing. Um, but that was naturally occurring fluoride, not the stuff that Alcoa was producing. But uh, he took that and pretty much the way he did all this public relations stuff, he had front groups established that pretended to be kind of third-party independent scientific groups, you know, recommend water fluoridation for public health and what have you. And obviously, the, I mean, the guy was a genius at what he did and other, other um, you know, industry players joined in with the marketing efforts and all of a sudden you've got you know, water fluoridation all around the country and, and you're a crazy conspiracy theorist if you say there shouldn't be fluoride in the water. Um, and this is from the same guy, and I know this is kind of more the, the propaganda or public relations area of things, but this is the guy who, you know, um, was huge in the tobacco industry, uh, but, but hated it that his wife smoked and, and wouldn't smoke himself. So and this is back in like the 1920s, teens and 20s when he knew, he already knew that um, just the tobacco companies already knew that smoking was terrible for you um, and would lead to cancer and other things. So it, it's kind of this, it's amazing how much of our, our culture is shaped by the media and it's been that way for a long time, pretty much uh, since World War One, And from the eugenics end of things, for whatever reason, um, it's it's you can draw a direct line from Darwin to eugenics because it's the idea of uh, survival of the fittest, and it appealed to these kind of rich, snobby, aristocratic types who believed that they were uh, or were told by these pseudoscientists, oh, your family line is superior. Look at all these rabble on the streets. And if they keep having kids, you know, it will be overrun. Um, and so you get all these, these foundations, not just Rockefellers, but uh, the Morgans and, and other kind of robber types in the U S to start pouring money into these foundations. And, um, and just pushing this idea that, you know, you've got inferior human lines and superior human lines, and if you breed the good ones together, uh, you'll end up with this, you know, amazing Superman, the, the, the right. super race, which, um, you know, obviously that is a direct connection, and there are direct connections with Adolf Hitler and Nazism and the, and the rest of it. Um, but in that, the, the part that gets less left out of history books, and, and most of you gets left out of history books, uh, is the fact that it didn't end with Hitler. It didn't start with Hitler, and it didn't end with Hitler. Um, it just got better public relations and moved back to what had been its, its center, really, the, the U.S. and, uh, you know, Great Britain. Right. Right. So when you when you're talking about uh, the, the fluoridation of the water and things like this, now are are you saying that, uh, for instance, like the fluoridation of the water, did that start as 
sort of a corporate solution to, you know, a, a profit margin or, or was that uh, part of eugenics as, you know, as a whole? Like, what, I guess, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or right. is it sort of, a, a, you know, do they go hand in hand? Yeah, I, I would say it was kind of a, a win-win for them, uh, kind of the way most of the things, like if you look at 9-11, you can say like, oh, why would they do 9-11? Is it this reason or that reason? And the answer is probably, you know, all the above. Right. Um, they like being able to dumb people down, um, make them unhealthy so that they're reliant on rocket dollars and you, you fund most of the uh, cancer, quote unquote, research and, and treatments, then you want more people with cancer. It's, it's good business. Um, so I think it's kind of the, the same idea. And at the same time, obviously they, they figured out how to, to make money kind of both ways with it. So, uh, you know, the, the damage effects are, I would, I would tend to say that that's, um, the main reason is the, you know, the health effects and the eugenics angle. Um, but it's, it's a little easier to prove the kind of corporate angle, I guess. Right. And it seems like that's the case with a lot of, um, sort of these types of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's even, um, if you look at just recently, there was an article that came out that, you know, the, the army of the future, you know, the soldiers will be able to run at Olympic speed and, you know, with gene technology and all this stuff. I mean, this completely plays into the eugenics idea of like creating these super soldiers. And I find it interesting that it's, you know, people don't really realize that it's a sinister thing. And, but even those who do, they're like, well, if it's in the military, then it kind of makes sense. But then you're trying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking somebody that, is in the military, you know, they come home, they already, there's already, you know, problems with post-traumatic stress disorder and all this stuff. I mean, how, how much worse is it going to be when you come home and it's like, you're like the Hulk, you know, you can't, you can't even, you can't function at all in society anymore because you're like this, like genetically enhanced super human soldier guy. Um, I I don't know. What do you think about uh, how, how, how has military actually been, sort of the exception to the rule of, of positive eugenics? Um, well, I think you see both positive and negative eugenics. I'm sure they're, they're working on developing super soldiers, but they're also pumping every, every, you know, enlistee in the, in the military full of vaccines, you know, experimental vaccines, basically anything they can, they can poison them with. And, I mean, and using depleted uranium and all the rest. So the kind of Pentagon ideal is someone who will sign up when they're 18, work, you know, work for them without questioning, do whatever they're told, and then die pretty much, if not in combat, soon after they're out of the military. And so you can kind of see it targeted towards that. So all the flag waving on TV and the... You know, every sporting event has to have giant American flags and, um, you know, people waving, wearing ribbons and stuff. And it, it's all so uh, bogus when you, when you look at the way they're actually treated, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, in, in a 
you know, a dead ex-soldier is less expensive than an ex-soldier that you have to pay for their college now because you promised that they would do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have friends who talk about going into the military and they start talking about all these great benefits that they're going to get. And it doesn't matter what the economy looks like because the government's going to take care of them. And it's, it's hard for me because as the, the friend, I want to be like, look, no, just no is the answer. No, that's not going to happen. And number two, it, like they're going to give you some chemicals that I, that's also going to be a big disappointment to you, no matter what they tell you. And, you know, it's just sort of like, it's really sad, actually. I mean, I know all of it's sad, but um, especially if you know somebody in the military, which a lot of us do at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I, the area I'm from isn't a huge military area, although now uh, the, the hometown I grew up in, Mid River, Oregon, one of the main industries is uh, building drones and working on different components for drones. Lots of people have jobs in that now. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it, it, it's horrifically sad. And, but most, a lot of people in the military figure it out. And that's why, you know, Homeland Security their number one concern is returning veterans and, you know, they don't phrase it this way. They always say, Oh, you know, returning veterans with PTSD, snap and whatever. But what they're really worried about is veterans who figured out that they got scammed and that they were fighting wars for reasons, you know, totally different than what they were told and that they've been used and abused and spit out by the system. And, um, just kind of back to your original question about the super soldiers. Yeah, that's a big problem. If you've got someone who's not only trained with weapons, but with, you know, been enhanced with superhuman strength and, and all these things, that's a big problem for Janet Napolitano and company. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, um, well, let's, let's jump in a little bit to the propaganda side of it that you've mentioned a little bit already, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it obviously it ties in together, uh, yes. and, and the public perception of what's really going on is far from reality. But uh, you know, you had mentioned the American flags, and and again, it's one of those things that, as I talk to people about some of these topics, it's very hard to uh, get them to see sort of the the propaganda the propaganda at work. So one of the things that that's that I'm always curious about is. Um, how other countries see the United States. And so uh, do, you, do you have a view on that of like how other countries look at us and are they like pointing and laughing at us? Cause they're like, can you guys not see the obvious propaganda going on here? Or, and, and you know, what was the origin of propaganda? Like, where did it start? Sure. I, um, well, I'll try to answer those questions in order, but the, I think it, it totally depends on the, the country but at the same time, mass media is so dominant worldwide that people, I would say, generally are under their own kind of strain of propaganda. And unless it's a country that's like hostile to the U.S., uh, where they get told, you know, uh, true bad things about the U.S., if you think of like Russia today, you know, the criticism of Russia today is like, oh, that's financed by the Kremlin and that's, you know, Russian propaganda. That's true. 
but they know because they learned this from American propaganda that telling true things about your enemy is more effective than making up lies about them. So, um, you know, I think there is outside of the U S there is more kind of skepticism about American motives, especially American militarism and adventurism. I would say people outside the U S are much more likely to see it as an empire. Um, you really have to fully buy into the Kool-Aid to, to just believe everything, you know, Oh, we're fighting for freedom. We're, we're the terrorists hate us for our freedoms and, and all that stuff. So, um, I would, there is a little more skepticism, but, but man, I'll tell you what, there's in, in lots of other countries and I haven't been in lots of other countries, but you know, if you look at the, the propaganda in, in England, it's pretty easy since we speak the same language to look at that. Um, it's just as bad or further along the line. And, you know, spending time in South Korea, they those kids, when they go to learn English, because almost all of them, uh, you know, they go to public school during the day and then they go to these private academies at night. Um, generally, you know, three or six more hours of school on top of your regular school day. And what the, the curriculum is, is all United Nations garbage. It's like global warming every day. And, and these kids are convinced that, you know, they're killing the earth and cars are bad and their parents are bad for having a car and this and that. And um, so it, it's not just, people in the U S that are, are getting propaganda it's, it's all over the world. Um, now, as far as where did it start? You know, I, I think there's always been some elements of, of propaganda throughout history, but um, most people now, you know, people that write books about propaganda or about uh, public relations uh, really look at world war one and the U S propaganda effort there as kind of the first mass media, uh, mass mobilization propaganda. And it really caused a revolution, not only in as far as war propaganda goes, but as far as the way business was conducted, because you had already had the industrial revolution and uh, companies needed, you know, they could create products faster than they could find people to buy them. And so they needed kind of this, this mass media, this mass advertising to get to find uh, markets for their products. So they latched on to these same people that were involved in, uh, in the World War I propaganda effort to, to come, you know, work with, the, work with their companies. Um, and it really revolutionized the way, you know, business was done. Right. marketing and, and, and PR and what have you. So, right. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I know that, um, you and a lot of people and, and myself included have, uh, felt that somebody like Alex Jones has been really kind of vital in helping expose a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people now that are sort of disenchanted with Alex Jones because of sort of his alleged, ties with the Jesuits and the, the, you know, the Roman Catholic church. And what are your thoughts on that? Do you know anything about that? Or cause I, you know, I'm, I come across people that just, you know, if you quote Alex Jones or something, they, they're immediately like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can, 
if I yeah. go with you guys, you know, because, you know, Alex Jones is like, you know, part of the propaganda. And Well, right. I mean, we even had him on one of the intros a few episodes ago and somebody was like, oh, I was really disappointed to hear that. And it's like, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. My, my take on Alex Jones is that he's a really, really talented talk show host. And <laughs> I think and, that's a good explanation. You know, <laughs> I, that's I exactly mean, exactly what it is. He's he's really good at what he does. I mean, the guy, if he talked about sports, he would be a successful talk show host, you know, doing sports stuff. And I think that's kind of where people they're like, Oh, how does he get all these big guests? And they do this and that he must be, you know, an agent of the, of the dark side and, and what have you. And it's like, no, it's, it's because people like money and they know that if they go on Alex's show, millions of people are listening to him. And the reason millions of people are listening to him is because he's good at what he does. You know, I mean, um, you you know, I I could come up with some genius theory of of how the world works, but I could never present it in a way that would get millions of people to listen to me. And um, I think kind of people don't, I don't know if it's jealousy or what have you, but there's that aspect to it. And then there's kind of the, like once you get so disenchanted with things, you know, with nine 11, uh, just, it, it sometimes seems like everything's a lie. So people kind of go into, right. Um, Tim, you know, Tim refers like discernment overdrive where it's like, everyone's an agent. Everyone's, I mean, I had people tell me like, Oh, did you know that Chris white is a CIA agent? Like, I'm like, Oh, really? <laughs> You know? Chris White, really? Is that, yeah, is that I, what he's doing in I, Africa? I hung, hung out at, at his house when him and uh, uh, you know Tom Bionic lived there and, and slept on their couch. And um, I don't know where they're spending all their their <laughs> government finances and, and stuff like that. But um, other than the the nice Berkey water filter, it, there wasn't uh, wasn't too much largesse going on there. But it's you know it honestly, and and you guys. Um, you know, if you get it, if you keep going with the show, you'll have people start saying like, oh, they're really bad and they did this and that. And it just kind of goes with the territory of the internet because there, there's just kind of for it's, it's like a law of physics on the internet. If you are saying something there, there's going to be someone, you know, making up a, a negative right. website about you or, or what have you. Right. And, you know, and, and for, for Alex Jones, and like I said, he, he's a really talented talk show host. He's not a, a prophet. He's not an oracle of uh, of truth. Um, he's just good at what he does. But it doesn't mean you know doesn't mean he's right all the time or anything else. But the fact that he's not right all the time uh, does not mean that he is purposefully deceiving people or what have you, right. because it. You know, the way I look at it, if you recorded me talking for three hours a day and trying to be kind of edgy and entertaining right. and what have you, I would say so many stupid things that you could put, <laughs> you could play back, you know, 10 years later and say, look at this idiot, you know, right. like Y2K, he thought Y2K was going to be bad. It's like, well, yeah, lots of people. I mean, you know, the evening news was saying Y2K was going to be bad. So it's not like, right. uh, you know. Whatever. Right. Well, yeah. Hopefully, nobody uh, figures out me and Gonza's CIA ties. There you go. We're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> and as as far as the uh, 
if if you look at all the claims about Alex Jones, like they're pretty mutually exclusive. Like I don't know how he would be a Jesuit uh, coadjutor and a Zionist agent. Right. Yeah. No, I saw that too. That's 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 why that's why I wanted to ask you because I, when I saw there's there's one particular website that really goes after him, mm-hmm. and you know it's like all the evidence is here, and and I was looking at it, and I'm going wow really all this stuff it's you know i mean this is you know, this th- photoshop picture of his <laughs> wife into a jewish wedding photo like well, wow you've got him right i mean it's and it's tough especially in the conspiracy world because i mean it's so easy to do that to be like oh this you know uh, like for instance if i was the government and i wanted to take down basil and Gans, all I would have to say is l- leak it out that, oh, yeah, Basil and Gans are working for us. So right. stop listening <laughs> to them. Well, you know, and it's it, and what I was going to say before was in the conspiracy world, I mean, it's so easy to just sort of like almost like the new gossip of conspiracies. You know, it's like, oh, there's this. Did you hear this? Oh, no way. I thought he was a good guy. No, he's evil. He's out to get everybody. You know, just whoever it is, whether Alex Jones is CIA or not. I mean, it's uh, a lot of times in the conspiracy circles, it's so easy to flip-flop like that, depending on what alleged piece of evidence um, comes out. Well, yeah, and I think also, once people get, I think, Andrew, you referred to, you know, alluded to this a little bit, but once people get to a certain level of, like, fame or whatever... It always does that, you know. I mean, people are always gonna gonna say something. It's like, uh, you know, it's like when you're into a band when they're new, and you're like, oh man, this band is the best band ever, you know. And then they get like a major record deal, and you're like, man, they they suck, you know. They sold out, you know. Oh, Mumford and Sons. Is <laughs> <laughs> is the new Mumford? See, the nice thing, like, and I thought I'd never be this guy, but I'm totally the guy who like only listens to bands that I liked 10 years ago and just waits for their new albums to come out. But I I did finally get a Mumford and Sons album, but I'm like back on their beginning stuff. So I just won't even bother with their, (laughs) their their new one, I guess. Yeah. You know, you just gotta stick with the oldies, the 2010. Okay. We're getting way (laughs) off topic here. That was a good that was a yeah. good analogy though because it, it is it is like oh wait like you know it's it's someone who totally got woken up by Alex Jones and gets all their news from Infowars and Prison Planet and then they're like what you still don't know that Alex Jones is a secret double agent and they're just like they're pulling stories off their website and putting them on their own website and right right. it's like okay whatever but and and it is i mean if you look at because they're they're kind of moving from um just a website that took a lot of different kind of interesting stories from all over the place and put them all in one place where they're actually you know kind of doing original reporting more and more now so you're seeing kind of a, a new um new version of the alternative media where it doesn't necessarily just have to be um us with a different take on the mainstream media so we're still talking about all the same stuff they are we're just saying they're lying about it <laughs> which is right. kind of what the alternative media to, to some extent is is like 
oh yes, we'll we'll talk about the same stories, but you're lying about them. Right. Um, and he, here's the problems with it. And I think there's value to that, but I think there there would be more value in kind of establishing um, a truly alternative media that that chooses more than the three stories that mainstream media chooses to talk about in a given day. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, I kind of want to talk about some more eugenic stuff. Uh, were you hoping and going a different direction here, Guns? No, I'm, I'm open to eugenics. I, I think that's kind of the, uh, right. I kind of, I kind of want to get back to some eugenics. Is that okay right. with you, Andrew? Man, All right. Uh, your wish is my command. <laughs> Oh, I like this. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm having some deja vu here. There must be some weird thing going on. <laughs> I think it's us supposed to be talking about eugenics. Probably. Uh, Go ahead. Okay. So, I mean, I guess I don't even have really something specific, but um, I guess we can start with, uh, is there anything that I'm not aware of that's trying to kill me? I mean, I know about the fluoride. <laughs> I know about the GMOs and stuff like that. Um why don't you just give us a couple more examples here? Um, well, I mean, you got the, the chemtrail issue. So in the, in the air we breathe, in the water we drink, in the, in the food we eat. Um, and the, the two kind of general areas that, that I think if you look at the, quote, side effects of all these, these products and genetic engineering and what have you, it seems that they always attack either intelligence um, and or fertility. So you've got, they're trying to make, make you not be able to have kids and, um, dumb down the people that are around. So I think if you look at such a broad spectrum of issues and they all have those effects, that's on purpose. You know, it's, it's not right. an accident. There, right. There's an agenda there. So well, what about, what about like vaccines? Yeah. I know you guys talk about it quite a bit on uh, mm-hmm. revelations radio news, but what, what's, you know, what's the sinister part of that? Because I've heard people say, well, you know, that's, you're being a conspiracy nut. If you really think that they're trying to kill you through vaccines and, you know, I know I was shot up with all sorts of stuff when I was born and, you know, you probably can't even get out of a hospital these days unless you have, certain amounts right. of vaccines you know pumped into you so well i mean you'd never know when a, a 12 year old or sorry 12 hour old baby is going to contract hepatitis <laughs> so obviously they, they must be vaccinated you know and it, if you don't think that that's necessary you're just playing with fire so you're just a um, mean person. You're a bad yeah, parent. You're you're endangering everyone else. Why do you want babies to have hepatitis? What's wrong yeah. with you? So, and it, um, yeah, there, there's kind of two angles with vaccines. You can attack it from do they really work? Um, and in a lot of cases, like flu shots, especially, just flat out don't work. Right. You know? I mean, they're just guessing. Like, oh, out of the thousands of possible flu strains that could come out this year. We think it's going to be this one right. and we'll make a vaccine for it. And most of the time they're, they're totally wrong. Um, right. Well, exactly. With, with, uh, if I can interject real quick on the flu thing, that's an especially personal one for me because my family, especially my extended family and uh, you know, what I would call uh, early, not early answer. My, my most recent ancestors have, <laughs> 
many of them have died from the flu shot. Like it's in my blood to die of the flu shot. And so when it comes to, I think I was in like kindergarten or in school and stuff. And, um, like it's family history to die of the flu shot. And they almost wouldn't let me go to school because I didn't, I couldn't get it. It was almost like, please die or we're not going to teach you math. Well, yeah. I mean, please, (laughs) please, please, please die because it dying is better than being a conspiracy theorist. And I think, well, it's, it's kind of saying, and, and the thing with vaccines, okay, so um, it's not just the reported negative side effects because they never admit to them. You know, you've got, I mean, you could take a vaccine, die 12 hours later, and they'll say no connection at all. Right. You know, because, well, how do you know there's no connection? Well, because vaccines are safe. Well, how do you know they're safe? Well, because, you know, we've proven they're safe. Well, this person just died from it. How do you know it wasn't? Oh, well, because we know that vaccines are safe. So it's just kind of, um, you know, it's this tenet of faith that vaccines aren't harm. Vaccines are safe. And um, I don't know. Do you guys get like uh, government propaganda messages in place of commercials down there, too? Um, uh, once in a while, yeah, sort of, I, yeah. I, I try to stay away from the television, but once in a while, well, well this is I'm, I'm talking about radio, you know, take it uh, the sports station in town here, the ESPN radio station, like every commercial is government propaganda because I guess they can't get like actual advertising, <laughs> but it's all like I've taken time to shoot my kids up with the flu vaccine, and if you don't, you're a bad parent, and <laughs> right, you know, the, right, there's all sorts of different like someone dying on the commercial because they have diabetes and oh you never saw it coming it's i don't know just one after another but anyway it's and then you go into any grocery store right and it's get your shot get your shingles vaccine get your flu oh, shot it's, yeah you know, it's everywhere we'll give you 10 percent off your groceries at safeway if you just get vaccinated today and say like, really i mean yeah you know if you get shot. a couple hundred bucks a groceries that's quite a bit of it's a big discount but um and then you're walking down the aisle and it's like fluoride water for babies and (laughs) it's like man (laughs) i I have to say i I think safeway might be the most evil grocery store i've come across it's um we don't really have safeway down here but oh you don't well you know what's interesting it's so funny this has been a a a just a hilarious part of my life let me tell you i i grew up in a place where safeway was the only grocery store bank of america was the only bank the real bank if you want to be a real human being you go to that bank and you know it's all it's just the worst stuff and it comes out bank of america is like the most evil corporation in history and safeway is kind of the same way and i'm like man i was really just thrown right into the thick of it from the beginning there allergic to the flu shot had to bank at bank of america like there's some serious i I, i've come out of some serious adversity i guess i've paid a lot of extra money to bank of america for some fees that i have no idea oh yeah they love they love me over there because of all the fees I owe them. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I, I had Wells Fargo for a long time and I, I finally, you know, freed myself of their clutches and I was so proud. I went to the little local credit union 
which promptly merged with another credit union (laughs) and renamed itself Celerity with the sun symbol and it merged with the Catholic credit union so it's like all this sun imagery and stuff I'm like no (laughs) can't switch banks again I know man they're they're following you wherever you go we got some Korean banks down here maybe you can you know go back to your roots as a teacher and there, there we go <laughs> maybe you could pay your fees that way and teach english um okay one thing i wanted to bring up was uh, the stuff that people don't really okay a big thing we hear when we're like oh there's bad stuff in this food stop putting bad stuff in this food and the companies come out and they say well yeah but if you don't eat too much, it's not bad for you. It's perfectly fine to have this amount of stuff. And number one would be sugar. I mean, sugar really is, I mean, it really is a poison. Uh, I mean, whether you want to admit it or not, I know a lot of chocolate lovers and people like that who would like to say otherwise. But I mean, the fact of the matter is um, they're perfectly correct when they say, look, high fructose corn syrup is not bad for you in the levels that we're using in our product. Well, every single product, if every single product you're using all day long has high fructose corn syrup, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing a bad job at, I mean, you're now a victim of this sort of high fructose corn syrup, um, just induced coma that you get to fall asleep with that night because all day long that's all you've been having is a thousand safe dosages of um high fructose corn syrup until you decide to get healthy and go on hundreds of doses of aspartame yeah all day long. exactly and it's it's so funny because every single every single uh sugar you know um replacement is stays about stays healthy for about two years that's like the healthy limit for new types of sweetener. And then of course, two years later, everybody gets cancer and then you can't have that one. But lucky yeah. for you, we've come out with this new <laughs> sweetener. We saw this coming two years ago. So we've been putting together and branding this other one for two years. So here you go. So, I mean, off the top of your head, can you think of anything else like that? That's just in everything waiting for us? Oh, I think... You know, that's a big one. And then the genetically modified crops like corn. I mean, you know, there's corn in everything. It's right. crazy. Um, and whether it's the, the corn syrup or or other, you know, corn products that you don't, you don't know you're eating GMO stuff, but you are, you know, if you're not. And you can't even specifically pick something out that's, non-gmo because they can't label it as that because our wonderful government you know the fda there to protect us from all evil uh won't allow companies to put on their packaging that it's not genetically modified so right right and you know i just read something or found something on the internet the other day about sort of how to tell if the fruit that you're buying is uh genetically modified or not and mm-hmm. here I, I, I think i just saved it. i found it here it says um here are the basics of what you should know if there are only four numbers in the plu and that's the little sticker like on your right. apple there's a little sticker there um if there's only four numbers in the plu this means that the pro- produce was grown con- 
conventionally or traditionally with the use of pesticides. Um, if there are five numbers in the PLU code and the number starts with eight, this tells you that the item is a genetically modified fruit or vegetable. Uh, if there are five numbers in the PLU code and the number starts with nine, this tells you that the produce was grown organically and is not genetically modified. So if you look there, just with just use your reasonable human brain that God gave you when you were born. Okay, so traditional uh, fruit have four letters. That's or four numbers on the little sticker. That's easy. The genetically modified fruit has five numbers, starts with an eight. The non-genetically modified safe organic fruit ha- also has the same amount of numbers, right? But starts with <laughs> nine. So you could obviously tell the difference because yeah. <laughs> the signals are so so blatant there. How could you not know that you were getting a GMO uh, banana there? So well, yeah. and you know, I I had seen that on Facebook, and now I've heard it on Canary Cry. So. So there you now, go. with the combination of those two things, I know it's true. So there we go. It's it's uh, we said it and Facebook said it. So like everything on the internet, uh, it must be true. <laughs> must be true. Let me ask you this, Andrew: Is there any instance where you see positive use of eugenics? Like, is there something that, like, if you ran the world, right, and you weren't evil? Um, <laughs> let's assume that let's you- assume uh, and, and you know you had this thing eugenics in front of you what kind of thing wh- how would you use it and what kind of uh, how can eugenics be used in a positive sense well um, I don't know if eugenics can be used in a positive sense I do, there are positive trends I mean like if you look at milk and the stuff with the RBST um, it's pretty hard to find that anymore because people, when given a choice, chose the stuff without it. Even though the FDA said it's totally safe, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist if you think anything's wrong with it, people chose to buy the stuff that didn't have it in there. Right. Um, and and, and so specifically I, with milk, just real quick, if I may, the thing that made me go bonkers on the, on the, uh, antibiotic stuff was that the most remote third world countries in the world were banning it and the USA still still allowed it it's like you know there's the jokes like oh we can let's go to this country you can do anything there you can buy guns and buy heroin (laughs) from five years five year olds oh but you can't get milk that's been treated with antibiotics yeah. <laughs> that's that's America. That's our thing, you know. Well, and it, it, it was just, a twist of logic too, because it was like every other country was saying, "Hey, well, there's no proof that this is safe," and America was going, "Well, there's no proof that it's harmful." So you can't prove it's killing that many people. <laughs> Think of all the other things that we're killing. I mean, other people are dying from. You know. Yeah. Could be any well, number. So, so I think is I think that's a positive trend. I think if people are given a choice and that's why Monsanto has lobbied so hard to keep, uh, you know, not just from being required to label it as GMO, but keep other companies from labeling their stuff as not GMO. Um, you know, the reason they're battling so hard is they know that people will, will choose once they get a little information, you know, 
people aren't that dumb. Eventually they can, they kind can of figure out like, okay, well, if I can buy this or this, and I'm not sure if this is safe, I'm going to buy the other thing. And um, so I think that's a positive trend. And if you look at the kind of top level eugenicists, like uh, if you look at British royalty or people like that, they're obsessed with eating organic stuff. Right. You know, they'll, they'll fly their own food around the world after them and their own chefs and, and what have you. Um, Which probably but, goes to show that there is something going on, you know, more sinister than what people might imagine. If the people right. running it are, won't even eat the stuff that they're telling people to eat. Right. And, yeah. and a lot of them won't even drink alcohol. Like they know that that's not a good thing to do either. And it's something that's such a huge part of our, our culture that it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to eat GMO corn. I'm going to get hammered tonight. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like this. <laughs> that is true. That's kind of like the, the liberal trendy version of it. Like, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, I only eat stuff from a farmer's market and and then get totally wasted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, that's a, that's something, you know, um, Basil, are you in California as well? Or are you guys both yeah. in California? Yeah, 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 I am. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a West Coast. <laughs> west coast liberal trendy thing oh yeah it's it's everywhere um what about birth control i know that's a probably a pretty big one too with planned parenthood and everything and i remember probably when i was in high school uh there was you know these radio shows on uh there was one specifically that i used to listen to where there was a doctor on it was actually dr drew i think he's got his like own tv show now or something but he was like a big proponent of um, Planned Parenthood. And, and you know, the, these people would call in with like, oh, you know, my boyfriend got me pregnant. I'm 15. I don't know what to do. And, you know, he would refer them to Planned Parenthood. And you're like, you have to go there. And, uh, you know, so in my head as a kid, I was like, oh, that's what you do if, you know, you have yeah. problems <laughs> or whatever. So it's like, can you give us a little overview of Planned Parenthood and how that plays into the whole eugenics as well? Uh, yeah, Planned Parenthood started out as, um, unless I'm getting them mixed around, but the birth control league. And then, um, and originally they started out and they, uh, Margaret Sanger was their, their founder and they, they pushed birth control. And the idea was, Hey, we were going to push this on all the poor people. Um, and then we're going to encourage the, you know, wealthy, smart, happy people to have lots of babies. And of course the exact opposite happened. All the, all the rich people started using birth control and the poor people just kept right on having kids. So, uh, some, some poetic justice to that. And then after, um, after world war two and, and eugenics getting such a, uh, you know, horrific reputation, um, they really changed the emphasis. They said, let's, you know what? People don't actually like it when you tell them that they're inferior genetically and that they should <laughs> not have children because of that. Uh, and, you know, you would think the geniuses of the elite would be able to figure this out in less than 50 years, but it took them about that long. And uh, so they said, you know what? What if we, instead of telling them that they're inferior, um, why don't we tell them that every child deserves a safe and healthy and happy home? Because who can argue with that? Right. But then, of course, how do you establish that? Well, if you're if we say if the government says, you know, 
that you're not providing that, then the government needs to, to take control of, of these kids. Um, and that's where you've got, you know, all these, these family cor- courts and the, um, the system that's in place today goes back to eugenics. And so all these, you know, kind of feel good. Oh, save the children. Um, you know, they're watch out their father's abusive or what have you. Um, there was that element to it. And then they figured out that kind of economic necessity kept a lot of couples together. You know, like if um, you kind of needed a man around to, to go get a job, even if, if it wasn't a very good job to put food on the table. But if the government gave money for those poor single mothers, because, oh, those, you know, who wouldn't want to provide for the poor single mothers? Um, then they they figured out that incentivized getting you know out of wedlock, uh, having kids, um, people women leaving their husbands, and kind of this alienation of of men um, away from being fathers and what have you, and we're just kind of like perpetual adolescents, you know, right. obsessed with with the sports and sex and everything else. Um, but there, with no real role to play in society because it's been taken over by the government. And I know, um, you know, people I know from work and what have you, um, this couple, they've been together forever, but they're, they've got two kids and they still haven't gotten married. And I know the main reason is because the government, the government dole gets cut off once they get married. You know, because she's no longer yeah. a, a single mother and making no money and, and what have you. So it right. incentivizes, um, you know, these these behaviors so that the state can play the role of parents. So. Well, there was, I think, in our third episode, if I'm not mistaken, um, we talked about an article that um, basically with the new Obamacare, they regulated free sterilization for like college women or whatever. And uh, I think um, Basil was the one that brought the point like, you know, what a great target population or whatever of college aged women, you know, where they are so, you know, not not that there's anything wrong with them, but just a, a, a great time to have them make very rash decisions, you know? Right. Yeah, it's, uh, they're offering permanent sterilization uh, to be covered. And it's like, well... I mean, who better to aim that service to than young, naive girls who are, you know, in college and ready to party? I mean, it just... And they're convinced that they're killing the earth anyway, and they're... Right, and they don't don't want to bring a child into this messed up world. I mean, I hear that all the time, is like, why would I want to bring a kid into this world? It's so messed up. Which I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but it's it's a uh, it's not by accident that they've come to that um, conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it, it kind of continues the same old pattern. Where uh, so you've got these like middle class and upper class girls sterilizing themselves in in college, and um, then again, kind of the opposite of the supposed goals of eugenics. You've got the only people having kids are having them when they're 15. So, right. Right. Um, and it's, it, it is sad, but I, you know, on a different level, you can kind of see 
why God designed things the way that he did, um, you know, so that kind of the human race goes on despite the eugenicist's best efforts to stop it, you know? Right. Yeah. You see everything backfiring to a certain extent. Um, you see lots of damage from it too. And there's, there's, you know, a horrific societal cost to pay, um, for the, you know, the way for the loss of the family structure that, that we had in the, in this country, um, for that going away. Uh, in fact, in China, uh, you know, those evil commies over there, they're, they're kind of, they're figuring out, they're like, well, you know, we really hate Christianity. Man, uh, Christians make really good citizens. Like they're, uh, you know, they have, because over there over again, over yeah over there if you're a christian like you're a real christian you're not but you know messing around right, right uh like in the american south or something so um they can see like hey they're not addicted to uh drugs they're they're moral and upstanding citizens so how can we like not embrace Christianity, but get the positive effects from it. So they're trying to make deals with the the churches over there. And they're saying, just let the state, um, just go, you know, you can be a Christian, but just go to the state approved church. And for the most part, they're saying, no, no, thanks. You know, (laughs) we'll we'll take our chances in our house churches. So, Right. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, sort of like how Constantine started implementing some of his paganism, you know, and merging right. it with Christianity. And um, because I'm sure that there was an outcry of like, hey, you know, you can't just kill people for what they believe and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you know, we talk a lot about transhumanism on the show or what we used to anyway. Uh, and eugenics is definitely a part of that, you know, the ultimate goal of becoming gods and becoming immortal and this superior race and all that stuff it's all tied together but uh where do you see uh things going as far as the timeline of where we are and and obviously you know there's a lot of people saying that we're nearing the end and uh Mm -hmm. we're in prophetic times and stuff like that where where are you on that whole uh conversation um i i guess i'm you know, and what do I know? It's, it's, you know, my own two cents. That's all it is. Um, but I think we're probably further away than lots of people think we are. And I could totally be wrong on that. Um, but I think, you know, the, the progression, it can still get a lot worse, uh, which is somewhat, you know, it's obviously getting worse at a very fast rate, but I think it could still get a lot worse. I think America um, is probably relatively close to, to really splintering and falling apart. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean biblically that we're at the end. Right. You know? And I, I think um, people don't like come out and say that, but you know, you can kind of you feel stuff falling apart with uh, the economy and everything else, but that doesn't mean, you know, on God's timetable, it's not like, Oh, America's falling apart. Well, that's it then. So, <laughs> right. Well, it's you funny know. you say that because I was just talking to a friend last night and she's like, uh, and she knows I'm what I do and what I like to you know, the crazy books that I like to read by the crazy writers. And uh, she's like, so 
like what are you doing like if if you think the world's gonna end like what like why are you doing what you do like why don't you go do crazier stuff i feel like you're being cautious and i try to explain like it i mean it's not like i think the world's gonna end i just see the things that are happening and it's just it's gonna get a lot worse and so you know it's it's good to be in the know and then she's like okay but why are you doing what you're doing if you think the world is going to end? And I'm like, what, I, what are you? <laughs> I go to Vegas, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it came to the point that it came and it, she was so persistent. And it came to the point where I was like, what are you expecting me to, to say? Like, what does me not looking cautious because of the end of the world? Like, what does that look like to you? Like, what are you expecting me to do? I'm not going to. I don't like. I don't even know what I would do if I thought the world was going to end. Um, mostly because I wouldn't really care once it did, because I'd be yeah. doing other awesome stuff. But so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting. Um, you know, I'm not even sure where I was going with this, but just as a as a cultural well, note as to what I'm sure a lot of other people like me are dealing with. And as far as the transhumanism tie into that. Um, you know, I mean, there is the verse about no flesh. If, you know, God didn't intervene, there'd be no flesh left on the earth. And does that tie into man merging with machine? And I think it certainly could. Um, I think generally these transhumanists are, are probably overly optimistic. I think it's the lie, their lie, you know, their false belief system that gets held out to each generation of them. Like, oh, your generation is going to be the one that lives forever. Like, oh, now your generation will be right. the one that lives forever. Um, well, and, and sort of I, Christianity does the same thing too. Yeah, with, it's the, like, with the prophecy stuff. This is the end. This generation yeah. is the end. And, right. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going, Andrew. Well, um, but I, and I've heard you guys talk, talk about this as far as it being kind of the materialist religion of, or, you know, kind of the natural human need that God gave us to understand, hey, I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I know there's something bad there if I don't get right with God. And they've kind of morphed that into, oh, we can conquer it ourselves. It's, it's the ultimate kind of human pride, human rebellion um, you know, God is dead and, but I will live forever because of science. So it's kind of, right. uh, it's a very rebellious thing. And, um, you know, the old joke written on my, uh, the whiteboard in, in my college philosophy class, uh, you know, God is dead dash Nietzsche and then underneath it Nietzsche is dead slash God yeah exactly you know, I mean yeah the, the, there is kind of that element to it I think that it only gets as crazy as God allows it to get right um, at the same time it can get a lot crazier and we do have a job to do and I think right. there's um and it doesn't mean, you know, necessarily holding a sign on a street corner saying that the world's about to end or that, you know, the end is near or whatever. But it, it is um, living purposefully and, and not living um, just for entertainment or, or what have you. So. Right. 
Have you seen the new digital? And I'm, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about promoting this on the show, but there's a new uh, digital series out on YouTube called H Plus, and which is, as you might know, is the uh, sort of the uh, name for the worldwide transhumanism movement sort of going on, and the. Um, I've, I've been trying to keep up with it because I just want to see what it is because they start out with, I mean, everybody has this, um, the internet implant in their head and uh, this is sort of a, you know, the era of transhumanism and then somebody hacks into the network and a virus kills everybody <laughs> who has these implants, you know, and so I'm kind of, I'm interested because of my yeah and it's done by warner brothers which makes it really interesting right and it's very suspicious because it's very well done i mean it's definitely a commercial uh deal um very well done named after the transhumanism movement but yet in the first couple episodes it seems very anti-transhumanist um as we go on we'll watch and see you know if it turns around and the the transhumanists save the world Maybe it's only anti-dumb transhumanists, <laughs> but they know the secret way to do it the right way so that everything works out great. You know? Interestingly, there's, there, it hasn't been as popular as, as I thought it would be. It only has, well, I mean, tens of thousands of hits instead of, you know, I would expect hundreds of thousands or millions, you know, if, if it's promoted by Warner Brothers. But um, it, it did bring up some interesting issues. I, I think they, the, what they were trying to do also is to, to try to bring up some very common social and um, just interactive issues because, you know, in one of the first ones, the there's a couple that are like going on vacation or something and they both have implants. And, you know, she's in the passenger seat and she's, you know, they have like the whole... Uh, HUD kind of thing where they can like visually see all the you know her emails or whatever and she can use her hands to like manipulate it and everything but she's the only one that can see it you know and but the husband is driving and he's like driving crazy they're in this like parking structure and they're trying to find a spot and he like runs into a dude and all this stuff and you know he's basically what was going on was he was watching like a football game or something <laughs> and you know and she's like you're watching the game aren't you and he's like i only had it on 20 percent transparency and like you know so so i don't know i think they're trying to get at the potential issues and she's talked about how it's illegal to do that and all this stuff so I, they're trying to bring up these social factors these potential uh different uh right you know possibilities well, and problems that would be, that would arise out of it. Yeah, you could solve that by just not allowing people to drive cars and having the wonderful robots do that. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Like the Google cars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean the cra- the crazy conspiracy nut inside of me, you know, makes me you start to wonder like what exactly is happening with this TV series because, you know, you you always want to follow the money and the transhumanists have the money. And so, you know, there's not a rogue group of anti-transhumanists who somehow got Warner got Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah. yeah. Exactly, like, that just isn't happening. So you have to figure exactly what's happening. And so, and I'm, I'm sure as we keep watching, it's going to have a pro-transhumanism twist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there's like six episodes out now. I haven't quite watched all of them. But maybe I'll do that so I can talk a little bit more educated. Uh, 
<laughs> well, at, at this stage, too, almost any mention of transhumanism is pro-transhumanism just because most people don't even know about it. Yeah. So just getting the, getting the idea out there and then like, okay, let's have a debate on the pros and cons. Um, that's it's, it's a process. It's a process of normalizing. And I think they've figured out that if you come out and say, this is great, everyone will love it. It will be perfect. That people don't go for that as, as much as if they feel like, Oh, like this is, I can have an opinion on this and we can argue about it. And then it happens anyway. Right. And, and it's funny because, you know, if you read some of the comment sections, it's hilarious because this one guy was like, I'm an atheist and I know this is wrong, but is it even more wrong that I still want it? You know, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, this totally being honest, you know, and, and cause it looks cool. It's like, Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, you're hooked into the internet and you can, you know, manipulate all, I mean, to be honest, it does look cool. Like that would be really awesome. But at the same time, I know that that's probably not what you want to be doing. And you know, there's also all sorts of, you know, plus the virus would get you. The virus. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that movie. Um, uh, what was the movie called? It was a Bruce Willis movie. The Islander. No, it's, I think it's called, uh, the, the surrogate where, uh, yeah, it's the same kind of deal where they're in, you know, these people get hooked up to these surrogate machines and they experience kind of like an avatar and then a virus shows up and Bruce Willis comes and saves the day. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that they're trying to just familiarize the public with the concept. And, uh, you know, certainly there's, um, you know, these major motion pictures that do sort of these elaborate, super you know, uh, transformers and well, that's a little different, but I mean, just these, this idea of like man machine merging, you know, that's kind of been around for a mm-hmm. while, but making it tangible, uh, making it realistic. You know, one of the things that they have on their and, channel is and uh, so cool. Yeah. And too. cool. They, they have an actual ad that they try to, you know, they made it look like a real, uh, you know, campaign ad type thing for the chip. And uh, I mean, you know, anyone who, <laughs> who doesn't know otherwise would be like, whoa, is this real? You know? Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's the uh, introduction video for right. those who are um, wanting the chip. And you watch it and it's, you know, it's on YouTube, so it's short and they just make it seem real, like kind of like a War of the Worlds type thing. Um, but, you know, you could, it's done in a way where you could very much see that being a real thing soon. And so. Yeah. Well, Andrew, are you uh, working on anything else other than Revelation Radio News? Are you planning to write a, a sequel to the book? Um, I had wanted to do a, a book on uh, propaganda stuff and got some of it done and haven't worked on that in quite a while. There was I did too much research. I had too much stuff and then couldn't yeah. like, fit it all into one, you know, one book. Um so I guess the short answer would be no, not right now. My my excuse is my day job is is a little more significant than it, it used to be. So it takes up a lot of my time. And then by the time I'm done, I don't really feel like using my brain a whole lot more. But um, so I'm, I'm kind of the usual American drone at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the man's got you, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, man, it's it's been real great uh, having you on the show. Um, real fun talk. I'm sure everybody was thoroughly uh, edified and 
entertained uh, for the past, I don't know, hour or something here. Andrew Hoffman, everybody. Um, any last words, Mr. Hoffman? Well, th- thanks for having me on. I guess um, if you guys want to tell Tim that I'm retiring and going out on top, I've, <laughs> I've made Canary Cry, so there's... <laughs> This was kind of the last thing on the bucket list for alternative media. So <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Oh, all right, Tim. Well, sorry, Tim. We'll uh, maybe we'll get you on the show, and you can uh, go the same way, and you can both grow old and reminisce about how you're on Canary Cry Radio together. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, Andrew Hoffman. Everybody, uh, thanks for once again. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It was a, a lot of fun, and um, I enjoy your guys' show, and, and keep keep up the good work. There we go. Andrew Hoffman, author of uh, New World Order and Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, uh, eugenicswars.com, and revelationsradionews.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Choir Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting canarycryradio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage. <laughs>